0: Hey, everybody, before we get going, we want to give you a heads up that we will be briefly discussing the suicide of Dr. Gall in this episode, and we understand this can be a pretty sensitive topic, so we want to make sure that you're aware, and if you or anyone that you know are struggling with thoughts of suicide, there is help available. Please reach out to a trusted friend or a family member or contact your local emergency services. Uh, Do a search on Google, and you will find some help for real. So thank you very much for listening. Let's get going.
1: What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked.
0: Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 175, and we'll be talking about Stargate Atlantis' episode, The Defiant One. This is episode 175. That's that's kind of momentous.
1: Hey, there you go. One, seven, five. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey. I hadn't thought about that until you just mentioned it, but it's true.
0: It's true. Well, we've got a lot on our mind. Things have been busy.
1: It's been pretty chaotic in in the Zach household.
0: Yeah, and while it's not quite chaotic in the Brent household, uh, you know, hey, it's like life is life. Yeah, it's the way it is. Um, but yeah, hey, here we are, 175. So, friends, how about a
1: nice segue? <laughs> Friends, we're an independent podcast. (laughs) Oh boy! If uh, if because we're an independent podcast, you get transitions like this. Hey, do
0: you want to do you want to do the 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 Brent part, and I can do the Zach part? Want to try that? Oh sure, 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 sure.
1: I I haven't done this in ages. Yeah, okay. If you uh, you know like what we're doing, I, I. so if you want to support the podcast, you can by going to buymeacoffee.com slash walking through or much easier, go to our website, which is WGTS.space. Space! Or and, and if I didn't say that, and well it's WTTS for walking through the stargate yes. Space! Space. And then you in the lower right-hand corner there's a little coffee cup. You can click on that coffee cup, and then you can uh support the podcast that way. We've got uh, memberships that are ongoing things, or if you just want to do a one-time gift, that's fine, whatever. Uh, We do have some uh, special wish list things. One of the things on the wish list is uh, if we raise enough money on that wish list, we will do a couple more episodes of Stargate Infinity, Mm -hmm. which Brent is excited about not doing. And uh, for my part, I'm kind of excited to see what Brent is going to say about these things. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm less excited about watching them myself. <laughs> but I'm also something of a completionist and I know that it's not quite canon but it's still Stargate so Yep. Yep. You know, I haven't ever watched them all because reasons. Yeah. So, you know, but if you want to help us out, uh, you can go to that wish list there and uh help us with all of that. Mhm. And if you have anyone in your life who comes to you and says, "I need more listening opportunities of uh-huh. podcasts and you're like hey you know what here's a bunch of goofy guys who talk <laughs> about Stargate and and they just go on and on and on about whatever stuff uh, but but they're goofy and I like them I mean that's what you would say to them because you're listening to us so of course you like us yes right that's how it sure. works that's how it works and and then you, you tell them that they can go to their podcast aggregator of choice. That could be Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or, or, or Spotify or or what are the other ones. We've got uh uh, uh iHeartRadio Podcast yep. and and Brent's favorite podcast aggregators everywhere. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and you just search walking <laughs> through the Stargate uh and then you'll find us and then they can join this party. Party yeah, it's a party. Yeah. So, Brent. Yes. If our listeners want <laughs> to tell us, tell me how well I did in doing your part uh-huh. today, Uh huh. how could they get a hold of us to tell me?
0: Well, friends, if you want to reach out and uh, let us know that you think that Zach did such a tremendous job with the actual intro that perhaps he should consider switching and just doing that for, for realsies for all time, <laughs> you can do that by emailing us at walking through the Stargate. At gmail.com. That is W A L K I N G T H R O U u g h t h e s e a r g a t e At Gmail.com. I know I did it. <laughs> well You're done. Right. It's the G H T H. So if you just if you just focus on that, you get through it pretty fast.
1: Well, but but you also have to get the G-H-T-H-E.
0: Yes. Yes. It's like a it's like a five four thing, right? You know. So anyway. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh you could also uh you could go to Facebook. I wouldn't do it, but you can. <laughs> find us uh walking through the stargate. we got a facebook page and a facebook group and there is i believe there is a pretty lively little community on the facebook group which is good that's i'm I'm glad for that i am i'm not there zach is um but many others are uh but the secret sauce is actually the discords but to get to the discords the easiest way is to go to our website wtts.space space and you can find Links to all of the socially stuff uh, sort of at the top of the header, but including the discord link um, discord is a little chat. It's basically an IRC clone is what, really what it is. If you know what IRC is internet relay chat, um, but uh, we've got a pretty fun community there that jibber jabbers about mostly Stargate stuff, but sometimes we get a little off topic and that's fun. It's great. I enjoy it quite a lot. I'm there regularly. So that's uh, some of the spots where we can, uh, where you can find our contact information. Yeah, and uh, so anything else I'm forgetting? I don't think so. I think
1: that's it. No, no. All I right, think that's
0: it. All right. Well then, uh, Zach, uh, shall you dig into the background facts?
1: Love <laughs> 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 this episode. Dig into the background facts for this episode. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, this episode, the defiant one, uh, was directed by Peter DeLuise. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This is his first directing credit for Atlantis. Mm hmm. He has one more directing credit this season, and four in season two and mm-hmm. that's it mm-hmm. he doesn't okay. have anything after that um this is uh, peter DeLouise also wrote the teleplay for this episode uh-huh. uh okay. this is his second of two writing credits uh this season and for atlantis he wrote mm-hmm. underground uh which is when we first met the janai yeah uh and so he wrote this episode and that's the end of his writing credits for atlantis wow okay uh, we do have a couple of guest actors of note here. I want to start by mentioning uh, James Lafazanos, who plays the Wraith. Yep. Uh, he's played other Wraiths uh, for us already in this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and But, you know, this is generic Wraith number four. And, yes. <laughs> uh, so he's that, and he does yep. a great job with that. Of course. We also have Paul Magel as Dr. Abrams. Uh, this is the guy who dies quickly. Yes. Uh, he, there's very little on IMDB about him. He says that they, they say he's known for Valentine, the ice road and Atlantis. Um, hmm. so, okay. There you go. Uh, his first IMDB credit came in 1998 in the movie shattered image when he played a New York waiter. Okay. Not anybody else's waiter, not not, not a, <laughs> a a Manhattan waiter, no, not no. a Bronx, or, no you know, no, no, he a was general, a New York general so, New York waiter.
0: I mean, that could be like Albany. It could have been. Could be the Finger Maybe Lakes. he was
1: a Buffalo New York
0: waiter. That's right. I mean, that's in New York. That's
1: right. Um, so, or maybe he was a waiter from York, but he was really new at it. So he was a new ah, York
0: waiter. I see. I like that one better.
1: There you go. There you go. Um, and, of course, we have Richard Ian Cox, who plays Dr. Brandon Gall. Uh-huh. Uh, and I ask you, Brent, do you recognize him? Did you recognize I him?
0: I did. I certainly did, but I don't know where I recognize him from.
1: So, uh, this is the same actor who played Nyan in the episode of SG-1 New Ground. Yeah. This is the episode where uh, Nyan and his compatriot are scientists, and they were uncovering uh, some archaeology stuff, and it happened to be the Stargate, and it opens up, and SG One comes in, and they're all like, "Oh, it's you!" This is the one when Tilt gets zapped in the eyes and gets blinded for a while, and they get captured, and the Opterkins, and they think that everybody they're lying. It, uh, do you remember this episode? Nope. Wow. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. Okay. <laughs>
0: So, so apparently they picked well, because, because I'm looking at him like, I've seen you before. (laughs) And they're like, yes, you have. You have. In fact, you've seen him fairly recently because of what you've been doing, Brent. And I'm like, I don't recognize him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that if I were to start watching the episode, I'd be like, right, this one. But, but I don't recall it based off of the.
1: Um, that's Yeah. I don't know. It's not important at this point in time. Yeah. Uh, But the episode is new ground and uh, you'd recognize it. I'm sure. Uh, it, it. it bugged me when I first watched this episode because I'm like, that's the guy from the one episode. <laughs> and, and I'm trying to think. And of course, in that episode, Nayan um, manages, you know, like like comes to Earth with the SG-1 team at the end, right? He uh, basically gets run off the planet because uh, sort of a science versus religion type of debate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it-
0: it, when I say I don't remember it, it's true, but I, but it's not like it's completely, but there's, it's ringing bells.
1: Right. Um, but Nyan ends up with the SGC after that. Mm-hmm. And so I see this guy and when I first watched this episode, um, I don't remember the character's name, Nyan. Uh, I just remember I recognize him from that one episode and I'm trying to think, is this the same character? Is it supposed to be? Is it oh, not? Right. Uh, Oh, it's not. right. Right, right. Um, but, uh. Uh, there you go. Could have been. Could have been. Uh, he was born in 1973 in St. Uh, St. Asaf, Wales. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's known for Dino Trucks, Spy Kids Mission Critical, and My Little Pony Friendship is Magic.
0: Uh-huh. Okay.
1: Uh, and apparently he teaches acting at the Tarlington Training, uh, in Vancouver during his free time. And his first IMDb credit came in 1979. He was like what six? Uh, wow. He played the he did the voice of Kai Shiden or Shiden uh, in Mobile Suit Gundam, the huh. English version. Yeah. So cool. Uh, and then, of course, I'll just give a shout out real quick to Joseph May, who plays Sergeant Markham. Uh, yes, we've seen him and we've heard him talked about in the past. Uh, the original air date for the Defiant One was January 28, two thousand five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is the same stuff as what we had last time when we yep. watched whatever that was last week, uh, Prometheus Unbound. Yep. Uh, so I invite you to listen to that for all the things that were happening at this point in time. Yes. And I do have a few pieces of trivia. Uh-huh. Uh huh. One, we have the little energy life tr- life forms, which are. A very similar uh, a steal from itself from SG-1 episodes, Prodigy? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember yeah, Prodigy? Yeah yeah, 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 Right? Yep. Uh, so we see kind of the same type of uh, 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 energy uh, bugs zipping around. They do a little bit different things in this episode, but... They don't
0: kill, uh, or they don't nearly kill uh, O'Neill, is what they don't do.
1: That's what they... Well, O'Neill isn't here to be killed. Right. Or nearly killed.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, details, but, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um the episode was filmed at the Richmond Sand Dunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a place that's been used several times in SG One. Yep. Uh, apparently, this is the first episode that uh, identifies the Ancients as the Lantians. Yeah. Um, which I noticed uh, that. Which is something that that uh, will be a string moving forward. Okay. Um, I don't know. I can't remember off the top of my head if it's if it's uh, like. A bonk, bonk, you know, bang, bang on the head type of thing. Or if it's just sort of a kind of sit in the background and let you go with it. But yeah, Suddenly,
0: this, this, suddenly this, everybody's saying Lantians as opposed to ancients. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, but it's actually appropriate to use a word to talk about the Lantians over yeah. against the ancients because yeah. they're not quite the same.
0: Well, they were all, yes. And also they weren't ancient in their own time. They didn't call That's themselves true. the ancients.
1: That's true. I mean, they could have, but that would have been rather...
0: That, that would have be been weird. Here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, and so, Brent. Yeah. You might be familiar with a certain movie that came out in 1986 called Star Trek IV The Voyage Home.
0: Uh-huh, I am. Right?
1: And in that movie, they have Kirk and his crew have stolen a Klingon ship and they go back in time to 1986 and they're in San Francisco and they park their stolen Klingon ship that has a cloaking device yep. in the park. And it's cloaked, so it's invisible. And as they leave, he's like, everybody remember where we parked? Yes. And so when Shepard does that in this episode, after the puddle jumper closed, that is a callback to yes. that Star Trek
0: movie. And uh, they referenced Kirk specifically by name in this episode, too. That's true. Yeah.
1: That's true. Yep. So I, I just wanted to clarify that for you in case you missed it.
0: I, I, I did sort of miss it. I mean, I didn't recall, but you know, yes. It, when the joke was made, I was like, mm-hmm, yep, yep. Everybody yeah. remember where we parked. Yep.
1: And then also this episode was nominated for a couple of Leo awards uh-huh. uh, for best direction and best screenwriting in a dramatic series. Uh, so, huh. wait for the nomination. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs>
0: I'll give you a little bit of foreshadowing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I,
1: I look forward to hearing your comments. In uh-huh. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so <laughs> in this, I'm, I'm trying to continue. Sorry. Carry on. Carry on. All right. So uh, this episode, uh, the title for this episode in other languages, we've got French. They call this episode Duel. Yeah. Uh, the Russian call it Refractory. Yeah, I got nothing. Uh, okay. The The Hungarians call it the defiant one, uh, and the Germans call it the survivor.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, there you go. There you go. Um,
1: Are you ready for the synopsis?
0: Yes, please.
1: All right, let's do this. Rodney, would you drive in a straight line, please? I am. Computer, is Rodney driving in a straight line? Nope. Yep. <laughs> and because of Rodney's inability... At driving a puddle jumper, Dr. Brendan Gall is feeling quite seasick, or space-sick, or (laughs) jumper-sick. I don't know. Anyway. So, Shepard McKay Gall and the scientist who's going to die first, Dr. Abrams, (laughs) are on their way to an ancient weapons platform on the outskirts of their solar system. They are stunned by the size and somewhat dismayed by its lack of functionality, When they receive a distress call from the planet down below, which is made worse because it is a wraith distress call. Mm. Oh, dear. Now, they call back home because they have to get permission from mom. I mean, Dr. Weir. Uh, (laughs) Dr. Weir gives them permission. So they head down to the surface to investigate. But uh, Weir is concerned that the ionization in the atmosphere will cut off communications. uh, And so she says, uh, contact us in three hours. Yep. You have three hours. So. Now, the distress call is about 10,000 years old uh, from a downed Wraith ship that was likely shot down by the weapons satellite that's in orbit. Shepard lands the puddle jumper, cloaks it, and asks everyone to remember where they parked. And the group heads to Alameda to find a nuclear vessel. (laughs) And a whale. I I mean, a broken Wraith ship.
0: Yeah, you know, details.
1: Details. So. They find the Wraith ship dead and devoid of life, and are shocked to find evidence that indicates the Wraith crew of the ship resorted to cannibalism. Mm-hmm. Ew. Further investigation, the ship reveals hundreds of stasis chambers for storing foods. Apparently, the food truck was shot down before it could reach the front line. Uh-huh. The team continues to explore the ship, uh, breaking into a couple of different groups, uh and they, they're hoping that this ship will reveal a trove of Wraith technological secrets. Unfortunately, their exploration is cut short when they discover that there was, in fact, one Wraith survivor of the ship who has now woken from hibernation and is ready to feed on our heroes. Oh, no, no. Oh, yes. The Wraith attacks doctors Abrams and Gaul, killing Abrams outright and forcing information about his compatriots from Dr. Gaul, before draining his life, leaving him just barely alive. Mm-hmm. When McKay and Shepard arrive at Gaul's side, the dying doctor apologizes for telling the Wraith about the puddle jumper and giving him giving up his jumper remote control. Shepherd jumps into action and races off after the Wraith, while McKay stays at Gaul's side. The Wraith finds the jumper, Shepherd tries to take out the Wraith single handedly, but he's unsuccessful. Despite filling the enemy with bullets, the Wraith still manages to hold Shepard off. The end result is the Major's P90 is broken, and he now has a wounded left arm. The Wraith, however, cannot fly the puddle jumper because they don't have the ATA gene, and so begins a process to find some means of jerry-rigging the jumper so that he can get off this forsaken planet. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Shepard is trying to figure out what plan B is. By the way, back on Atlantis, Weir listens to her gut, and she sends Ford and Tayla along with a couple other guys, into a puddle jumper, too, to head over to where the Major is to back him up. Uh, But they won't arrive until the climax of the story, because plot says that that's how long it takes them to get there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh uh-huh.
1: Now, while Shepard tries to retake the jumper from the Wraith, McKay stays with the weakened and paralyzed and severely aged Gaul. During that time, Gaul tries to persuade McKay to go help Shepard, Uh, or at least saying that I know you want to, and, uh, like, I don't, I'm not saying you should, but I know you want to, so you might as well. And I'm dying, so it doesn't matter, anyway. McKay is torn, he wants to go and help Shepard, and he feels that he needs to stay and protect Gaul, but Gaul takes the decision out of McKay's hands by shooting himself with the pistol. Yeah. Uh, he knew he was dying, he knew he wasn't going to recover from what the Wraith did to him, and so he just ended it. Which was kind of a sad moment, by the way. Yes. Uh, during a break in the fighting, Shepard eats an energy bar and discovers that it attracts a swarm of local light bugs, he shakes them off and he goes back to the fight. In a last ditch effort to retake the jumper, Shepard then distracts the Wraith with a flare and makes a dash for the jumper, only to be foiled when he bounces off the shield, the Wraith activated before going to check out what the flare was. Now the Wraith and Shepard trade insults for a bit before Shepard rigs a grenade, to blow up the wraith, blow up in the wraith's face, and while it does significant damage to the wraith, it still doesn't kill him. Yeah, darn him. With nothing left to do, Shepard engages the enemy in a knife fight. Now he does stab him in the hand, which I guess is a good thing, but it still doesn't go well. No. But this is when McKay arrives and begins shooting the wraith. Bang! What do I do? Keep shooting. Bang! 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 I'm empty. Now what? Reload. Okay, he reloads. Bang! 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 Now what? Run. That's, that's kind of how that goes. Yep. Now, at about this time, Shepard receives a transmission from Lieutenant Ford and Taylor that they are on their way. And he quickly develops a plan. He tells Ford to fire at the largest blob of life forms on their screen. He then opens an energy bar, which immediately begins attracting all those light bugs. He then yep. attacks the Wraith with the intent of leaving the energy bar with the Wraith. And then he's like, run, Rodney, run. And they both dash for cover while Ford releases one of the ancient drones Toward the Wraith, the Wraith goes boom!
0: Yeah, very much boom.
1: And everyone is saved.
0: Hooray! With the Wraith
1: threat eliminated, everyone can now go home. Well, everybody can go home once McKay manages to deactivate the jumper's shields, preventing yep. them from accessing the ship. But, yep. but let's assume they do that, and they go yep. home, the end. The end. So, Brent. Yeah. The Defiant One. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you think.
0: Uh... Huh, so this one was nominated for one of British Columbia's best directing and screenwriting episodes in a dramatic series for
1: 2004? Five. Five. Well,
0: five. yeah, this one, five. Huh. The same episode that I watched and said to myself after I got done watching it, well, I'm never going to get those 43 minutes of my life back.
1: Oh, well, I apologize <laughs> about that. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't bad.
0: It wasn't bad but it certainly wasn't good. Like this thing was an entire episode this I really did feel like I was watching an episode from a dramatic episode from like the 1980s. No joke. Like everything every everything was like just in the nick of time. And I get it good weirdly good things happen to heroes that's like the point but like I think it was exemplified by that last fight at the end where Rodney shows up just in the nick of time, you know, okay? And mm-hmm. we we know why ish ish and
1: that fits the timeline of everything else reasonably well
0: oh no i'm not yeah i'm not disputing the timeline i'm just acknowledging like like it's just too perfect like if if he got there three minutes later it would be a completely different story um so he gets there and he empties two clips and there's a little bit of banter ha, ha, ha. and the wraith is just like standing there basically like not sure like if he's If he's effectively immune, not immune, you know what I'm saying, but like if he's maybe 10,000 years all by himself has done very poor things to his ability to uh, to examine a situation, to break it down into usable parts and then do something about it, because between standing there, just getting shot while people are shouting back and forth across, I don't know, maybe 100 yards, if that. No, 50 yards um, of sand asking what to do, and then the thing that just I thought was just beyond believable was that his complete just <laughs> distraction, the race, complete distraction when those little light bugs were around him, right? Like he's just standing there swatting at bugs for how many, how long, how long is he standing there? And then
1: long enough to get killed
0: a long. And then I don't know if uh, you've ever seen the movie um, rubber where it's a, it's a great movie about a homicidal tire. Um, Oh, yeah, there's a long time ago. There's several scenes in that movie that are supposed to be gruesome and the special effects, the practical effects aren't that good. So as a result, it's not quite as disturbing as one might think Um, (laughs) that that final when when they set off when the special effects team set off that explosion at the very end, they had some like dummy or something that like. Had a wraith wig on, and, and it was basically a scarecrow, just kind of standing there, <laughs> <laughs> arms akimbo. I mean, not quite, but it was just sort. Of, it just looked like a fake thing. Boom! It <laughs> just got kind of blown to smithereens. Uh I. Uh, I I guess I I guess I am finding this episode entertaining, but not for the reasons that people that it was intended for. And now many of our listeners are now suddenly realizing that there's there's suddenly a bane alert that's happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh no, oh no, he's he's starting to enjoy it, but for the wrong reasons. <laughs> no, I I so the best I think that the best parts of this episode, uh I, the best parts were the dialogue between Gall and, and um, McKay. I think. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was that good. Uh I I partly because some of the descriptors um it, it, the conversation was supposed to and said it plainly, it was supposed to show us that McKay has been changing, that he is no longer the person who wants to be uh hiding or staying out of danger or whatever he he wants to assist people because uh, he is starting to view that he's starting to have a connection to them interpersonally which is a long way of saying that he's starting to become friends with them and uh, I get it but that's unfortunate that it had to be done like that because that's a bunch of exposition right that's a, that you got a dying character sitting there saying I'm gonna tell the audience <laughs> All about how you are now a hero uh, right? <laughs> and so is that the worst way that it could have been done? No, and was that the best way it could have been done? Maybe, because otherwise you gotta you gotta you gotta see it rather than be talking about it. And so if you see the character of Rodney McKay acting in a brave fashion, well, we have been seeing that whatever it was the 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 gravity of that moment i thought i thought the actors did a pretty good job especially with a character we had never met before especially with a character who was a bit of a like tool bag at the beginning of the episode Mm. um like i didn't really care that gall was biting it like like i felt worse that abrams bit it Oh, by the way, um, they didn't put that actor I don't think that actor was in prosthetics there at the end. I think they found somebody that looked an awful lot like the actor. Like
1: uh oh, an like, like when they actor. showed Abrams dead yeah, uh-huh, and yeah. old. Yep. I, I don't know. I,
0: I, I don't know either, but it but it just looked too natural to be prosthetics. Sort of like how Gaul's prosthetics didn't look natural at all, but you know, whatever. You do what you can. Um true. Anyway. Um yeah, and then and then the 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 duel between the wraith and Shepard, I thought was okay. I thought it was okay, but too many things. There were just too many tropey things that happened in this. It it, it felt like an eighty. It, I felt like I was watching an eighties episode where it was just a trope after trope after trope. You know, and you know what do you do? Like okay, now let me put myself in Shepard's position. Like what do you actually do? Well you probably do a lot of what we saw on screen. Like you try to create a diversion, you attempt to kind of go at them straight on. Cause you think you can um, like you, you get, you get winged and then what do you do? Like you, now you're, now you're operating at 60% of what you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm not criticizing it for being unrealistic, but it is, I've seen this, I've seen it a lot. Um, and that's okay, but that doesn't mean it's, Great. And it certainly doesn't mean it's engaging. It's just, you know, all right, well, they're shooting back and forth at each other. And uh, hey, we're running out of time, so let's have everybody arrive just at the nick of time. Oh, oh by the way, it was so clear that uh oh shoot. What's the name of the actor who plays uh weir Terry um Tori Higginson. Tori Higginson. I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Yeah. It, it is so clear that Higginson's uh scenes were all shot within about maybe 90 minutes one day. <laughs> Like Oh sure. Like it was just it was just so like I don't know, it just felt it didn't it, it it didn't feel like it had any authenticity at all, which kind of pulled me away from it. And then here we've got another episode where Ford and Taylor are like, they're doing something, I suppose, but you know, what they're actually doing on screen is sitting and talking. Like, that's what they're actually doing. Um, you know, no 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 struggling with anything. No trying to solve anything. No nothing. It's just literally okay. We need you to uh, travel over there and shoot a missile. Okay, go for it. And you bring up a great point, which I didn't quite think. They they literally blew up the little remote control that <laughs> the wraith was using to lower the shield on the ship. How the heck are they getting? Maybe maybe ship to ship. Maybe maybe one friendly ship can lower the shields of another. Whatever you know, for for well, reasons of plot, I should get hung up.
1: That that. That Gaul wasn't the only one that had a an appropriate device to do that. Um I was knows?
0: presuming yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. I was presuming that the uh that the rigging that the Wraith was doing in the ship was fundamentally all like was changing things. It, it, like like you wouldn't necessarily just be able to lower the shields with some other remote control. But who cares? Right. I, it's pointless.
1: Well, you know. Yeah.
0: And and that's kind of That's kind of my overall emotion of this whole thing. It's a little pointless. We had, uh, mm, that's being super harsh. Uh, A small amount of information has been given to us about the Wraith, um, but it's not information that seems to illuminate anything. It's just confirming what we already knew, that they are just, they are the embodiment of what we as 21st century Western culture individuals would think as evil, right? Completely unabashedly self-interested, um, uh, just murderous, uh, completely unconcerned with the sentience of other species, uh, starting to sound like humans, isn't it? Anyway,
1: um, <clears throat> and, uh, I wasn't going to say anything but <laughs> since you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We're looking at a mirror folks. It's, it's a mirror. Anyway, um, yeah, so you know we, we we have a little bit more information that uh, that wraith will feed on themselves if necessary. That they can live an extremely long time if if uh, the conditions are right for it, uh, even in um uh dire situations like this one was in. Um, I guess we learned that there's technically a habitable planet on the other side of the solar system. I mean, that's okay. That's that's interesting yeah. information. Um, yeah, it, and then we got the exposition of of um, McKay's character, which is good but it was kind of done in a weird way and then a missile ended up saving the day and we all get to go home now like the end so i'm kind of i'm i'm kind of like wow uh, uh. so what about you what'd you think about this one
1: so i don't think i'm as as you are sure. about this episode um so overall i was reasonably positive about this episode yeah um i remember watching it for the first time I thought, uh, is that supposed to be Nyan? Is it not? And it just bugged the crap out of me. <laughs> um but then also the old age makeup for him looked weird as heck. Yeah. Um the the best thing I can say about that is that they were trying to find an old age makeup that also looked kind of modeled because of the 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 webbing that that you know he got coated in or something. I don't yeah. know. Sure. Um, but it looked, it looked speckled in a way that, and, and like, um, you know, I mean his, his fin, his, his skin with that old age makeup looked, um, like it was cratered, right? Like there was a bunch yeah. of pockmarks. Yeah. Uh, it didn't look, uh, wrinkled. No. Uh, no. at all. I mean, so, I mean, it, he looked older, but it looked weird. Yeah, in that, and I don't know if that was the lighting, if that was because they sprayed his face with water to make him look like he was sweaty, um, or they just did a terrible job with the makeup. I don't know. Um, but part I of me really-
0: wonders if that is also an artifact of that HD was pretty new. So you know, yeah. we're, we're makeup departments like still employing older SD tricks that worked really well, but you know, don't yeah. work quite as well in HD.
1: I, I could I could totally buy that. I could totally buy that. Also, and this is really hard to do, um I mean, you need to have some sort of contact lens in those people because his eyes yeah. looked like the bright eyes of a twenty four year old.
0: <laughs> because they were.
1: Because they were. <laughs> well, I mean no, actually at this point in time he would have been uh p- pushing thirty, but still <laughs> um you know uh the the, the, the teeth looked Yes, uh, like teeth of a person in his prime, not yes. a person. Um, and you know, and in terms of the teeth, I I could I could reasonably accept a a an argument that said something to the effect that um, uh, you know this aging process is not a natural process, and so right. that wouldn't have aged the teeth in the same way. But the eyes, yes, definitely would have been age just just give them a little bit of a cloud yep uh especially if you've got somebody who is um that close to to death as he claims to be yep um now that said uh i appreciated the the interaction between uh him and mckay um i think it was exposition but at the same time um you had a character who was literally dying and paralyzed and you had McKay pacing back and forth. What else are they going to do? But talk Uh,
0: acknowledged. However, you know, if you're writing a story, you don't have to have your character paralyzed or you could decide to strap him to a gurney or I don't know, you know, you could do things.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, now, now you're limited here to what, what you can reasonably do with the budget and such. Uh, You strap him to a gurney or, or something like that. Um, most gurneys require two people to carry. Um, I mean, you could have had like a... Um,
0: uh, yeah, but that's my point, is that when you're writing a story, you get to write a story. So if yeah. in your story, you're like, well, dang, I need two people to carry this. I guess I can't have Shepard run off. I guess I can't have a reason for Shepard to run off. I guess I gotta back this thing up. And then you start saying to yourself, well, then is this scene actually kind of what I really want to do? I don't know. Maybe I should try a different way of trying to say what I need to say.
1: And yeah, okay,
0: that's if you have infinite time this is television. I'm confident that my armchair quarterbacking is like, you know, when you're, when you're trying to pump out a script every, however fast you do it, like I'm being
1: precious. I mean, so like part part of it also, you know, to, as, as I, you know, push back with the realities of television here is that you've got, um, I mean, you've got an A and a B story. Yeah. Uh, The, the A story is Shepard fighting the Wraith. Yep. The B story is, uh, McKay talking with Gall. Right. Um, and you want those stories to be in different settings mm-hmm. uh, so you can have some contrast as you move back and forth. Um, and, you know, frankly, uh, it makes very reasonable sense for, uh, I mean, you know, having some sort of, of, you know, journey that you can carry him on uh, is a possibility. Um, but if you have a character who has been attacked by the Wraith and is paralyzed and near death, taking him out into hot, scorching sun is not really a good choice.
0: No, it's fair. But it did create a boring section of time in our, in our episode. Well. Which, which, um, uh, oh my gosh, these character these actors' names, um, Hewlett, David, David Hewlett, Hewlett, did a great job with, like, like he was pacing back and forth like the uh, the scene worked but the scene was still it still was boring to me it, it i i thought it could have been different
1: so i i will acknowledge that you found it boring i yes. didn't find it as boring yes um i thought and i here here things like we have seen uh so like we had mckay in sg1 and we saw him a couple of times and we're like gosh, that guy's just simply a jerk face. Yep. And frankly, that's how he was written. It was a throwaway character. That's yep. all it was supposed to be. Yep. Um, but then we add him to Atlantis, and so that changes uh, who he is and what needs to happen and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have seen him become a, a hero over the course of the last 11 episodes.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and this is at a point where now it becomes good to name that, right? Yes. Uh, and how do you name that to the audience? You have to have a character say it and you have to have a character say it to, uh, McKay in a way that McKay hears it and acknowledges it about himself.
0: Yep. And that's what yep. we see
1: here. Yeah. And what's the environment that, that would happen in? So now I'm working backwards here. Yep. Um, is that this is precisely the type of environment where that could be said to McKay in a way that he would hear it. Yeah. And that's what's necessary. Yeah. Um, uh, no. Uh, there, there, There's my argument for why I appreciated that in a way you did not. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to take away your... You're not wrong. I'm just saying...
0: No, no, I no. Like that yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, then, so now I'm going to shift gears to uh, the conversation between... Uh, or the conversation, the interaction between the wraith and Shepard, mm-hmm. and here, you know, I mean, I, I, I thought that uh, within the limits of of uh, a forty three minute TV show, uh, you know, so you couldn't you couldn't go into the psychological depth that you would be able to if you had a uh, a movie setting or something like that, but uh, the the interaction, the interplay. Uh, the process of uh of Shepard trying to get his shit back um worked for me.
0: It it's occurring to me just now that remember last time that we were watching I think I think last time we were watching Atlantis, maybe it was last time we were watching SG one, I can't remember now. Shoot. No, no, it was s g one um that there that the episode was supposed to be kind of a lightweight uh, uh you know budget friendly yeah, it was s g one lightweight budget friendly show that they ended up splurging on, but mm-hmm. it's occurring to me now here in Atlantis that we might be seeing something very similar where this was supposed to be an inexpensive episode because it kind of had to be because of budget reasons, so it's kind of like an episode in a bottle a little right where you have a set it's the wraith ship but the rest of it is taking place in the middle of a sand dune like with with a couple of you know y- y- you're spending a little bit of money on pyrotechnics but not lot and your special effects for blowing up the wraith dude is to just have a scarecrow out in the middle of the field and blow it up <laughs> um, but if i'm also looking at that from the point of view of That they might have only had so much money to spend on this episode because that's the reality of TV production. That some of the things that I wanted to see just might not have been realistic and they didn't want to tell a different story. So between those two ends, you are here where you had to make some choices. The choices that you made were that Gall and McKay are stuck on the set for a little while having a conversation that expands on McKay's character. Uh, Gall says it in a way that uh, McKay can hear. I think that was a good insight. And then, uh, and then perishes. And then to keep the episode from just being literally (laughs) 40 minutes of two people talking in a cave, um, you have some exciting action happening over there that is blowy uppy and is somewhat, it's tense. And then, you know, how are you, how are you going to? How are you going to save the day when you can't defeat the the defiant one? And who, by the way, who, by the way, who is the defiant one in this episode? There's a few of them, aren't there? And uh, so then you have a bit of a deus ex machina show up and blow the thing up. And then there, now you can end the episode without having any um, ill long-term effects. And you've told 43 minutes of television and hopefully you've entertained some people. And apparently you get nominated for a couple of Leos as a result. (laughs) There you go.
1: So, one of the things that I think was a bold choice um <clears throat> which uh breaks from uh the the tropy tropes is yeah. that Gaul actually kills himself yes right in 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 the tropy worlds of this, he would have just succumbed to his illness, yeah, right, and he would have died and then and then McKay would have been like, oh, I'm bummed because my friend died, but I yes. couldn't do anything. And I wanted to help him, but I couldn't because and then he died. Um, and I, well, I guess I'll just do the other thing. Uh, this is a situation where where uh, he doesn't just die. And we don't actually know. I mean, he believes that he could. He's He was a goner. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, but but Rodney is like, hey, you know what? We get some food in you. We we get you to Dr. Beckett and Dr. Beckett can can do some stuff. I mean, yeah, you're gonna yeah. be older than you were, but but you might you're not dead yet. Um and, and then you've got Gaul saying, No, this is it. Um Right. I'm gonna free the way for you to do what you need to do. Bang, he kills himself. Uh that's a big deal. Yeah. I didn't notice the, the scarecrow dying at the end in the same manner that you did. Um, I mean I, I-
0: I was feeling a little bit salty about the episode by the time I got there, and so I might have been Sure. Yeah.
1: Sure, I get that. Um uh I I, I do think that, that you're right. You mentioned that, you know, here's an episode where Taylor and Ford get nothing to do yes. of value. Yeah. Um and what I mean, Ford gets more than Taylor in this episode, and I think Ford's part is even worse.
0: Oh yeah. I mean that that scene of him. It it was just a weird scene, the scene where Weir tells Ford to get ready to head on out um, just because you don't even see Ford enter. It's just he's there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's a it's a little it's such a little thing. It's such a little thing to watch a person move in a in a shot. But it, but somehow it matters because otherwise it's like he just like teleports there. And
1: it's not obviously, but it's, well, and it's it's a different period of time. I mean, this is you know an hour, two hours later. Oh yeah, totally. But, but uh, you know, and then he's got the line, but he gets lines like, um, "Well, should we leave now or or should we not?" Um, you know, well, he, you know, you still give him. You know, he, he's not overdue yet, but you know, um, is there trouble? Uh, these are just they're dumb lines.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm watching an episode of Batman from the '60s. Yeah, but it's not supposed to be tropey or uh, campy. It's it's supposed to be taken relatively seriously. And
1: yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, without without saying anything more, I will say that uh, that changes.
0: A oh, good. <laughs> I I am looking forward to it changing. <laughs>
1: Uh, uh and I also think that that I mean we've actually seen some episodes with Taylor already that that give her um more than just a background character well position
0: it's, it's um, evident that they are that the writers and it makes sense they haven't found the mojo of Atlantis yet so this is basically a copy of SG1 but somewhere else and it's not, though. They're trying to differentiate it. So they're purposefully not trying to kind of, like, make it a copy of SG-1. But as a result, they're, they've got these two characters that are just like, what do we do with them?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, they do uh, figure out what to do uh, as Good. the show progresses. Good. Um, yeah. I, I think that's uh, what I got.
0: I mean, it's all I got to say about this, too.
1: All right. Well, then. Uh, it's it time. Is that time. So, will this episode get a Bane Factor High rating for Brent? Or will this episode get a Trashy rating because he thinks it's no better than Emancipation?
0: Oh, wow! I'll, I'll, I'll spoil it right now. It's better than Emancipation, that's for sure.
1: Okay, so it won't be as bad as Emancipation. But now, no. it is the time for Brent yes. to tell us yes. how many chevrons the Defiant One receives.
0: I am once again, very glad for this conversation. I don't think it's going to influence my Chevron vote. Uh, not at all, but just because I, I, I still feel the way I feel about it. However, I, I, uh, uh, whereas in other situations, I am a hundred percent fine to get on my soapbox and tell everybody that they're wrong. And I'm right on this one. I'm like, no, I'm sticking to my guns, but I can see how this one was well received in, in, in other situations. So I appreciate that, that insight, uh, and talking about this stuff. But yeah, after I got done watching it, I was pretty, I was like, okie dokie. I guess that happened. And it wasn't bad, uh, but it it would definitely wasn't good. And I'm not certain that the character exposition that we got with McKay warrants the demand that a person watch this episode. Uh, in another line of thinking, I'm constantly saying to myself, I wish that people would kind of come up with these like like watching guides for so, shows that have ran forever. Right. There's no way you can watch all these episodes or you shouldn't. Um, so watch these particular ones. And so like, is this an episode that you did You got to watch in order to to get information? I don't know because I'm not there to the end yet, but it doesn't feel like it's very good or very impactful. So for me, it's a three, um, not that great, but it, you know, there's been worse episodes of TV that I've seen for sure. And I think that they could have made different choices, but you know, all the things considered, uh, you know, is it a is it a crime that they didn't make these these other decisions? Nah, nah, it's fine, but it's still a three for me. So, how about you? What'd you think about this episode?
1: Um, so I've been kind of going back and forth, trying to figure out, trying to decide what I want to give this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think three is harsher than than it warrants. Sure. Um. Uh. But I. I respect your three. Um. You know. I'm gonna give it the five that I was thinking about. Okay. Yeah. Um. You know. It, to me, it. Um. I. I appreciated the the uh, conversations with Rodney clearly more than you did. Yeah. Um. Their mm, reasons. We'll go okay. with reasons. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, for for that. Uh, so I'll 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 just stick with the five. I don't need to really delve into all of the ins and outs of that. But that's yeah. kind of where I'm sitting. Sounds good. All right, we have predictions. All right, we start with Sean. Hi, Sean. Sean says, "Quote girlish fear." Close quote. Comment loses half a chevron.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. I I heard that. And oh yeah. I'm like, ugh. I cringed. Yep, cringe. So, uh, I'll I'll respect that. Self-sacrifice will invoke conversation as I believe it's a first for a Stargate where no life was in actual immediate danger. Correct me if I'm wrong. Hmm. I don't, I'm sure, I don't remember. Um continues. A 10,000-year-old Wraith with a different language would have been more believable, perhaps more unas-like. Yeah. I can buy that. Uh it it would have been better it would have been a better ending if the small energy beings, which sound and look identical to those from SG One's Prodigy, yep. killed the Wraith. Whilst they might not have seemed sentient, they could have taken a liking to Shepherd for feeding them and turned against the Wraith for grabbing them.
0: Uh, one of the things I'm interrupting, sorry, but one of the things that I realized that I was thinking of that I kinda wish would happen is that uh, maybe that uh wraith dude was uh around for quite a long time because those little energy bugs had some kind of healing property, so even though the wraith have self regeneration, if you get a little boost, you can last ten thousand years. But hey, maybe that little boost would make shepard's uh uh bullet wound better so that he could fight the bad guy but no, they were just yeah. they were just buzzing around
1: um I will say that especially the first time I watched it. I'm like, those look just like the bugs from this, that episode. <laughs> and, and they, they do very little in this episode. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, then we have, uh, oh, so, so I got to finish Sean's. Yeah. Uh, Sean has a prediction of four chevrons from you. Uh, and four close. and a half from
0: so close. Not
1: bad. Uh, and then he gives a PS, uh, David. Please, can you upload the next episode trailer before the podcast airs so we can view with Zach and Brent? And David responds that he has nothing to do with the promo uploading. That's all, Zach. That's true. <laughs> it is. It is all
0: me. It is all Zach.
1: And 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 I have I have thought about doing that. I have tried to do that on occasion in the past, and I have discovered that I struggle with that. Um, it makes sense, Sean. I will. Uh, take that under, uh, I will bring that to, to, to my manager.
0: (laughs) It just, it just gives a person a reason to, uh, to come back and uh, rewatch, re-listen to the episode again. That's all.
1: Yeah. Um, so that's Sean. We have Kim. Hi, Kim. Kim says, I just recently watched this one. While there are parts I like, there are others that just irk me. The trope where all the new red shirts end up dead is one quirk that gets boring. Yeah. Shepard gets shot again, but still saves the day. Rodney's character is starting to be built up more. Yep. Uh, While he can't still be annoying, his humanity is starting to show. I give this a four. Uh Uh-huh. And Brent and Zach gives it fours as well. Close. Close. Uh, Then we have Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Kevin begins, man, overtime every weekend and watching Stargate is always a great way to relax, especially after a 12 hour shift. As always, I took a few notes while watching. 12 mm-hmm. hour shifts. Yeah, yuck. I've done that. Anyway, number one. Hey, it's that guy that Daniel said could become his assistant and we never see or mention again. The guy from the very forgettable Newground episode. <laughs> yeah, yep. but it's a different character which just bugs me. Number two. Of all the things, how does McKay know it's a distress call? Because that's what the script said. it's 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 All he's doing is reading the words. (laughs) It's on page four. Yeah, right there. It's
0: a distress call, a wraith distress call. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Number three. If you were worried about automated defenses, would you really just walk up on foot without showing any hesitation? Uh, Right. No. Yeah. Number four. The Wraith Corpse definitely moves right at the end. It the sure crew did. Should have caught that.
0: I I absolutely saw that head move and I thought it was important. Turned out no.
1: No, it's just somebody, you know, had an itch in his nose and he had a twitch. Yep. Um number five. Lieutenant Ford is putting a team together. Speaking of teams, what should our primary Atlantis team be called? SG1 is already taken. SGA1? Nah. Oh, from now on, I'm going to call the other half of our main team AR-1, short for Atlantis Recon 1. Uh Aha. Sure. Number six. (laughs) So is this guy supposed to be a super wraith, a wraith king? If you can live for 10,000 years, then I guess the saying is true. It's good to be king. Mm -hmm. Number seven. Where does the cocoon web stuff come from? Do they have a machine or is it produced biologically we're going to hmm. stop there aha uh-huh. he suggests that no he says i have a dirty mind so i'm going to stop thinking about it uh-huh. yeah <laughs> number 8 i wonder if the other half of ar1 got the gene therapy treatment so they could also access the ata equipment would certainly come in handy if they could all use the tech um it's certainly possible i don't remember if it's ever mentioned yeah. Um, but it do- they have said that it doesn't always take with people just because you've gotten the treatment doesn't mean yes. it actually works. Right. Anyway, he says, it's an okay episode. I'm sure there will be plenty of talk, plenty to talk about, but I'm not expecting any amazing conversations to come from this one. I predict a four from both. Very See close. See you next week and enjoy the upcoming preview. It's a good one, I'm sure. The preview. Okay, I will. All I will. Right, never- there you go. And then we have Rowan. Hi, Rowan. Rowan says, while checking out the ancients' giant space snowflake, Shepard's <laughs> team pick up a wraith distress signal from the planet below, but that ship crashed thousands of years ago. There's no chance anyone is alive down there. None at all. Nope. nope. For once, a planet doesn't look like the Pacific Northwest. Good thing McKay brought his chapstick, but not <laughs> his bug spray. <laughs> You'd think Shepard would be way... Would be... M- uh, you'd think Shepard would be more wary of space bugs after his last experience with one. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. The one that, like, jabbed him in the neck and started sucking his life off. Yes. Uh, there's definitely nothing dangerous in this crashed Wraith Uber Eats ship. <laughs> it's been 10,000 years. Nothing could survive that long. Probably. Maybe. On oh, second thought, Let's get the hell out of here before. Oh, no, it's a Wraith. Oh, Uber Eats! <laughs> there you go. Uh, they continue. No, kill the other guy—the one who said the thing about girlish fear. I don't care what happens to him, <laughs> but apparently the show wants to try to make me care. So, good luck with that. Seems like he's just here for contrast to show us McKay's growth, character growth. Yeah. Time for action, hero Shepherd to spring into action. Action I hero. Guess. Yep. Man versus wraith. On a barren desert world, who will be victorious? Random Wraith or main character (laughs) dude? I'm on the edge of my seat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Will my main character whose face is on the DVD covers die? Oh, no, he's fine.
1: (laughs) Meanwhile, Ford and Taylor are on their way with a backup team in... 15 hours. That should be fine, (laughs) as long as it doesn't get very cold on this planet at night, and as long as this Wraith isn't super quick at figuring out how guns work, good thing Shepard is almost as quick figuring out Wraith (laughs) Danger (laughs) Eggs. Seems like Ford and company aren't going to make it in time, so it's up to McKay to save the day. Look how heroic our annoying science misogynist has become. (laughs) (laughs) Growth!
0: Hey, it's, even though I'm right there with you laughing about it, let us not underestimate that people can and do reflect and grow. And that's good.
1: That is good. Um, uh, They continue. But then Ford gets, but then Ford does get there and Wraith go boom. Wraith go boom. Everyone who is a series regular gets to go home. Well done, team. (laughs) I am kind of starting to see why people... Ship, Shepherd and McKay Doesn't mean I ever will Just that I get it Yeah uh, Brent will enjoy this one Give it a five Zach oh, thinks no. it's fine Gives it a four and a half nah, This though. episode has an IMDB rating of 7.9 Which is a four and a half chevrons Putting it in the top half of Stargate episodes overall
0: Wow, yeah, okay
1: There you have it Alright What do we have on the discords?
0: We've got just the one And I think it's partly Well, I don't know I was about to say it's probably because we're a little early, but
1: mm,
0: we're not that early. So we got Jen. Hi, Jen. Hi, Jen. We've got uh, Jen saying, oh, oh, Atlantis and the SGC need to establish contact soon before the Atlantis expedition runs out of minor characters to kill off. <laughs> 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 since since they couldn't bear to kill off either Taylor or Ford, Shepard and McKay find themselves on a mission with two one-off crew members with the sole purpose to push Rodney's character development toward being more heroic and likable. At least, that's what this episode felt like for me. Shepard is still inhabiting traits of the bland, stereotypical action hero persona that he took over, that he took over during the mid-season two-parter, leaving the limelight for McKay to shine. I feel like I've seen a couple of versions similar to the scene where Gaul was unaliving himself yeah, from different shows and movies. However, those scenes never fail to grasp me emotionally. It's one of those few times I could somehow relate to Rodney as my expression was mirroring his. The exchange between Rodney and Gall highlights that personal growth is a very painful process and usually comes at a price. This emotional payoff is the emotion is the episode's highlight for me, while the rest of the story just couldn't capture my attention. Ratings-wise, I'd give this a three and a half out of eight chevrons, simply and solely based on that moment of character growth alone. Brent and Zach will have a discussion regarding Gall's, sui- uh, regarding Gall's suicide. And its impact on Rodney that might drift into phil- uh, into philosophy. As a result, Brent will one up his first intentions to a five chevrons. Now, Zach will agree that is a five chevron episode for him. Hmm. Good, unless Star Trek did an episode just like this that a uh, few years earlier. But I wouldn't. Uh, but I wouldn't know. But we all know that Peter DeLuise does those things. Then. It's Brent three chevrons, Zach three and a half chevrons. So uh, you kind of almost got it. I'm going to say that your first one is the official one, five yeah. and five. So you got Zach, but, uh, you know, in a parallel universe, you, uh, you got us exactly. And so that other universe is doing boop-doops, but not this one. So that's true. Yeah. But, yeah, but thank so you, Jen. If
1: only you had a mirror device, you could go to that and hear the doop
0: Yeah, that's, that's right. But, but alas. Alas. That's all we got for the discords.
1: All right. And we do have one email from David. Hi, David. Who has a defiant and then a picture of the USS Defiant transporter bias buffer.
0: The transporter bias buffer. Does it have a Heisenberg compensation
1: uh, thing? It's a Heisenberg compensator. Compensator.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Uh, Because it needs to compensate for the Heisenbergs.
0: Yes, because those Heisenbergs, those things, boy, they are unpredictable.
1: Yeah, well, you know, they are... You can't compensate for them without your compensator. I'm just, I'm making a physics joke. Anyway. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, David says, full of the tropiest of sci-fi tropes, this is a trope masterpiece. We have doomed new guys, a bad guy stranded on an alien world for 10,000 years who speaks perfect English. Yes. Chekhov's bugs being yes. important. Good old-fashioned explosions. A wounded yeah. <laughs> hero who shakes it off, an extremely hard to kill bad guy. The guy we hate to love becomes the guy we are starting to not hate to love. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the supporting cast showing up at just the right moment to do to the important to do the important things that saves the day. Yes. Truth be told, this was weak and problematic storytelling with no lasting consequences, but it was a fun episode to watch. Okay. Brent says four golden trope chevrons for all of the outstanding tropiosity.
0: <laughs> that's a decent read. If I was feeling generous, that's probably right, but nope.
1: And Zach gives it four chevrons for the sheer tropitude of it all.
0: Just the, just the trope just the.
1: So, so yeah. So I was noticing, Brent, that <laughs> yeah. in, this is an episode where, uh, now hey, we don't get dupa dupes for this. But right. if you add everybody's like totals, um, oh yeah, you 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 get our added, our summed up total.
0: As in, as in, consider like as they were considering us as a unit, everyone was just basically getting it right. But right, unfortunately, as the individuals, they were off a smidge, off a smidge. Yep,
1: yep, yep. I I was I was tempted to. Uh, I don't think I would have gone down to a four, but I was thinking four and a half. Um,
0: no, your then- five is justified. I, like this is one of those, this is going to be one of those things where both of us, um, like neither of us are necessarily convinced by the other person's, uh, argument on the take, but it's not unreasonable. It's like, no, yeah. this is, this is like, yeah, I can, I can see your point of view. I, I don't, I don't share it. Um, but it's not wrong. It's like that you, this is how you felt about it. This is how I felt about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Brent. Yeah. Uh, First of all, let me thank all of our listeners for sending in their predictions. I love them. They are great. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, everybody. Um, And now next week, we will return to Stargate SG-1. Yes. With an episode entitled, It's Good to Be the King.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Thanks, Kevin.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That that was not subtle. (laughs) (laughs)
0: As soon as I heard that, I'm like, right, right. That's that's, that's the episode title. So-
1: The episode is, it's good to be the king. And as I do every week, I ask yeah. you, what is this episode all about?
0: Uh, okay. So, uh, you know, half the fun of me doing this is that I try to come up with it on the spot. And though, even though I knew what the episode title was, I play fair. I haven't been thinking about it. I haven't said nothing, but I'll just go with my gut. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travels through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. This world seems to be hearkening back to season one where they step through the gate and find themselves in a version of earth's past ancient Mm. cultures, which have not been seen for thousands upon thousands of years are preserved almost as if they are part of some grand menagerie or uh, something to that effect. They step through the gate and they seem them. They see themselves, uh, Face to face with not one ancient culture, but at least four. Ooh. Just ancient cultures of Earth ranging from ancient Mesopotamia through other ancient parts which I can Oh ancient Rome. There's where my joke is going. <laughs> <laughs> up through up through eighteenth century France. France. Oh, yes. wee oui, wee. Oui. And so the team, confused by this, try to speak with individuals and ask, how is it that this planet contains cultures so vastly different from each other? Here we have examples from the Neolithic period all the way through the early modern age, all in one area. How do these cultures not exchange ideas and become a bit more uniform? How is it that they remain so isolated and so disparate? Then the realization becomes made manifest. They have not stepped on a planet that is actually a planet in the same way that you and I think about a planet. No, no. They have stepped onto a construction, an area that is not naturally developed at all, but in fact is solely existing for the purpose Of entertainment. Oh. They have suddenly found themselves on an entire planet-wide movie set. What? And now they have to figure out how to get back because their coming is not in the script. And their leaving certainly isn't in the script either. And as they protest this against the individual who calls all the shots, the executive producer, this person looks down at them and smirks and says... It's good to be the king. Join us next time on Stargate SG-1, as our team is trapped not by a hostile alien race, but by a hostile alien producer. Stargate SG-1, it's good to be the king.
1: So is is this the first experiment with truly improv for Stargate?
0: Ooh. Oh, boy, that would be fun.
1: That, that, that they were not part of the script. No. Well, that would so be fascinating. I'm absolutely
0: making a reference of a history of the role part one. You know, people who got it, got it. But um, boy, that would be kind of fun if it were if it were just a, if it were just a goofy, goofy episode. I hope it is. I mean, with a title like that. Anyway.
1: Anyway, I'm well, interested to see. We, we only have one option at this point in time. Yeah. Yes. And we have only one option because. That's what the script says. <laughs> That's what the script says. It's time to <laughs> hit the play button. <laughs> it is. Are you ready?
0: <laughs> yes, I am ready.
1: I am hitting play now. Next time on Stargate SG-1. ...areas of refuge. Planets they abandoned long ago are now being scouted as possible sanctuaries.
0: And this affects us how? Oh. One of these planets, which used to fall under the domain of the system Lord Ares, also happens to be the place where the toker dropped off the one Harry Mayborn to
1: oh, oh You're in danger. I know. The Goa'uld are coming. Uh-oh. Harry, you're aware of the fact that this place is going to be overrun by a gaggle of bad guys soon? Well, maybe. What secrets foretold the arrival of the Goa'uld? This writing is an ancient.
0: I'm Trelak, first prime of the great lord hey. Ares, You'll got. It. Nice. Will yeah. an
1: amazing discovery save SG-1? Harry Mayborn, mm-hmm. and his people from the wrath of Lord Arryn's.
0: Is that a public It's jumper? all next time
1: on Stargate SG-1.
0: All I need to do is to see the J2 down below there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Interesting. Okay. I'm excited to see Mayborn again. Yeah. That's good. I like that.
1: I, I appreciated your, your response for seeing Mayborn there.
0: <laughs> well he I mean like he's dastardly but he but like uh, what's the name of the actor who's done such a great job with him, with Mayborn oh. I whatever he's like it, its, yep. it's it, I'm blanking on it can't but such a good job right like it's I'm happy to be seeing that so I, I'm excited to see this episode
1: very yeah, excited and, and the character of Mayborn has grown so much since we first saw him when oh, he was yeah. just designed to be a sleazy bad guy yeah. for one episode and um, you know, In he's season he's one, s- right? yeah, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I think so. uh, he's still sleazy, yeah but but uh, and he's still not exactly a good guy, um, but he's definitely grown and developed as a character, and yeah, and I appreciate that, so
0: excellent, yeah. super excited.
1: the uh mayborn next week,
0: yep, sweet,
1: all right, well, uh thank you very much for listening to our podcast. uh yeah, if you have thanks, any everybody. comments, if you want to say that you agree better more with Brent or more with me for this episode. You can do that by emailing us at walkingthroughstargategmail.com. You can go, yep. of course, to Facebook, the discords, all of the stuff. Uh, if I have time, I'm not making any promises whatsoever. But if I have time later today, uh, I will try to upload uh, next week's promo <laughs> yeah. to Facebook. But I have other things going on because we're recording this a little bit early. So I've got a very busy day. So we'll yep. see what happens. All good. Uh, until that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. This has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time.
0: Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.